The Nightmare, 1962. When I was a little kid and the old man was still alive, we lived in a house at the top of Queen Mary, right at the end of the street, by a small woods and directly across the road from the ravine leading down to the creek. I was told there were things down there and to never go across the road, but my parents never had to threaten to tan my hide to anchor me to the yard, for I was sure there were things there and I was very afraid. I was especially afraid at night. The nightmare began with me standing out on the front lawn with the old man. It must have been fall, because he had on the suede jacket he used to wear. The nasty old man who lived next door, Mr. Cushing, called over to Dad in his loud voice. I see the floaters got another kid last night, eh? The old man's face flushed red with anger. Not in front of the boy, he said curtly. You're a fool to believe in those stories anyway. But I believed, even though I didn't know what a floater was. I only knew they got kids. And there was no doubt in my mind that I was the next kid they were going to get. Then it was night, and I was in my bedroom alone, in the dark. My parents had taken away my nightlight, as I was a big boy now, and they insisted on opening my bedroom window, even though the trees came up to it and anything could sneak up and get at me. The scene shifted, as they do in dreams, and I could see the edge of the ravine, illuminated by a nearby street lamp, which cast a pool of tepid, sepia light on the bushes and the crowding trees. For a time, which might have been a moment or might have been an hour, nothing happened. Nothing except a heightened sense of both anticipation and apprehension. But slowly I became aware of a white spherical object flitting through the shadows between the trunks of the oaks and maples, drawing closer and closer until suddenly it bobbed out into the pale amber light. It was a human head. It had stopped moving, hanging suspended in the murky light, about five feet above the asphalt. Slowly it turned from side to side, as if sniffing the air for an unknown scent, before freezing again, going rigid with attention. It was facing the house. I could see it then, a boyish, almost babyish face, freckled, the pale cheeks yellowed by the street light, the long hair greasy and disheveled. The eyes were wide, and I was sure I could see a glint of red as it looked across the road, as if it knew I was there, and I was sure it did. And then it began to move, drifting gently across the road, like a balloon carried on a mild breeze with neither hurry nor care, but still getting closer with each passing second. I could see myself in my bedroom, see myself lying under the covers in my blue dino PJs, mouth open, sound asleep, 
asleep, even though I was conscious, and observing the scene as if I was a disinterested bystander. Get up! Get up! Get up! I wanted to scream, but was unable to make a sound. All I could do is watch in horror as my sleeping body slept on. The scene shifted back to outside, where the head, wafting gently like a large soap bubble, had finished crossing the road and was now heading, no pun intended, for the trees on my side of the house. Get up, get up, get up, I screamed in my mind. You have to close the window, quick. I willed myself to wake up. Normally I had trouble going to sleep, not trying to wake up. But I just lay there, helpless, dead meat on a platter. On a platter. I saw the bark on the trunks of the trees in the grove, as if I was walking or floating through them. Then the blue, light blue paneling along the side of the house. Then the dark cavity of an open window, which I, or whoever, or whatever, immediately moved towards. It was my window. Of that, I was positive. I saw myself back in bed, and still unconscious, the scene morphing into a view of the open window, as seen from the interior of the room, and revealing the shadowy outlines of the encroaching thicket. And then, suddenly, something white was there, momentarily hanging in the air, and then coming to rest on the windowsill. The head. For an unfathomable time, the head lay there, as if it too was asleep. But then I became aware that the reddish, slightly protruding eyes were moving around in their sockets, surveying the room and all its contents, before coming to a sudden stop and staring directly at my inert form lying innocently in bed. I was beside myself with terror, wailing in a frenzy of sheer unadulterated panic, knowing in the iciness of my heart I would not wake up. The head rose off the windowsill, and as if blown by a gentle nighttime breeze, came slowly towards me, reaching the bed, hanging motionless some eighteen inches above my face. The I threw myself out of bed with a shriek, flailing madly in the direction of the door, bawling hysterically at the top of my lungs, and crashing through the door of my parents' bedroom, where my mother was already calling, What's wrong? What's wrong? while the old man, cursing, was fumbling for the light. Everywhere, in my bedroom, the hallway, my parents' room, I could see scarlet eyes staring towards me from out of the shadows, 
the only escape from them was to crawl between Mom and Dad and hide underneath the covers, although I thought they might follow me there, too. Eventually, between bouts of hysterical crying, I managed to gasp up my story about the face, as I persisted in calling it, finally falling into a troubled sleep. Just before I slipped away, I heard Mom say, You don't think. I checked. There's nothing there, the old man said irritably. That stupid bastard next door put it into his head. I must have slept with my parents for at least a week, which didn't improve the old man's disposition. Eventually, they managed to coax me back into my own room, but for weeks I slept with all the lights on and the windows firmly shut, drapes drawn tight. In the end, my folks installed a pale blue nightlight, and I used it until we moved to the apartment years later. I had been persuaded that it was all a bad dream, but when I started school, the other kids in the schoolyard soon put me right as to the nature of my nocturnal visitor. It had been a bob, a floater, a night floater, beings able to detach their heads from the trunks of their bodies, the heads then being able to fly or float through the night to get their victims. WSJ here. Thank you so much for listening. Have a thought or comment about what you just heard? Then please let me know at wsjxxx at gmail.com. That's wsjxxx, three X's, at gmail.com. And remember, stay hungry.